Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Over the Bridge Podcast. It's your boy Bilal. Um, today we have Kwaku and Patrick and also a very special guest who will introduce himself in just a minute. But before we get to our special guest, as ever, Patrick, Kwaku, how are you guys doing? Yeah, good, good. So You're looking Easter, very relaxed. It's Easter Sunday, um, the sun is shining and um, yeah, I'm content, man, good. I feel like there was a next accent that came out there. Was it, it was, isn't it? What I accent was a little, it? There's a bit of a twang that wasn't normal Patrick. Is it? Yeah, I don't know where that came from. Oh. Is this me? <laughs> We're here nah, I picked that up as well. <laughs> oh. I'm still, my brain is still calibrating. So like, I've, I haven't been awake for very long. So I'm just, yeah. <laughs> maybe it hasn't booted up all my, um, all my, um, yeah, all my different accents or whatever. But, or you just yeah. wake, you wake up with a new accent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. But I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. How are you, man, doing? Yeah, man, no, I'm good. Likewise, I, I, uh, it's embarrassing to say, but yeah, I didn't wake up too long ago either. Um, but yeah, it's just, just, just been, it's just been chilled. It's nice actually because I've um, had quite a bit of, um, yeah, family, family come around. Like my mom, not my mom, sorry, my auntie, um, who's like a second mom anyway. She moved like up my road, so oh, I literally cool. got like a triangle of like my brother, my sister. Mm. me and hannah and then my auntie now like all on the same road pretty much oh nice um, so i was like helping her move in and stuff yeah and um yeah man so it's just, just nice just normal weekend vibes you know mm. that's nice man i'm jealous you guys are like just woken up i've been awake <laughs> since 3 a.m yeah. you know i felt i immediately felt bad when i said that because like, i looked at your face and i thought yeah man, that's a bit um, yeah man a bit insensitive uh, a five-week-old baby is not the yeah. one for sleep, man. But how's nah, week love... five going? Oh, well, so far so bad. But um, nah, he's cool, man. He's, he's just—I think he's just struggling. To I saw you trying that. to introduce him to Sokar yesterday. Yeah, he oh, weren't really having it, man. Yeah, <laughs> he weren't having it. But then he listened so solid straight after, and I was like, okay, cool. Okay, so I can get, get in there. Yeah, yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there, man. <laughs> But yeah, my week's been okay. Just literally been enjoying paternity leave. This is the first time in my whole life I've ever had this much of a break from work. So it's actually mm. quite nice. Um, spending a lot of time with him and just going for loads of walks and stuff. So that's been pretty cool. Been all good, man. But yeah, be- anyway, I'd love to introduce our guest who's going to introduce himself in just a moment. But I want to say I've had the pleasure of meeting him. He is a fantastic guy doing some amazing work um, down in well, with young people, but he's going to tell us a bit more about that. Bishma, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Bilal. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I'm good. I'm good. So, as you said, my name is Bishma. I run a um, a social enterprise community interest company called Rap Therapy. And what we do is we go into different schools, different youth establishments, teach young people how to express themselves positively through rap. Obviously, as you said, you got you had the experience of actually seeing it live in action, which was really good um, a while back. But I guess to date, we've worked with over 4,500 young people. And it's only been operating for since 2018. So it's growing rapidly. That's amazing, man. That's cool, man. You, you guys started around the same time as us then. Yeah, was, probably. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we started what 2018 as well, so that's cool, man. Yeah. yeah, and um, you said just before before we started, and I'm gonna put you on the spot that um, you aren't the person behind the scenes in the kitchen cooking today, but it's Easter Sunday and there's oh. loads of food going on. <laughs> You're doing me day. <laughs> so tell us what what, yeah. what have you got planned to eat later on? 
I don't know what there is to eat, but I know I'm going to eat and I'll probably be the guy washing the dishes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I'm I, hungry, I, I the most I do is chop the onions, to be fair. Okay. He's a sous chef. <laughs> but I can throw it down in the kitchen. I just like, I, just, the job I'm allocated is chop onions and wash dishes. Fair, fair. Fair enough. So chopping <laughs> onions aside, man, back to rap therapy. Um, tell us a bit about kind of how and why it started, I guess would be really cool for us. Yeah, so like in, in 2017, I created an EP and that was called Invisible Guidelines. And it's talking about my area. So I, I live in Fortin Heath and yeah. anybody that knows Fortin Heath knows that Fortin Heath isn't like a pretty area of roses and flowers blooming and stuff like that. It's, it's quite a nitty gritty area. And in my EP, I was talking about like the problems within the area and the guidelines that were given as young people to grow up and the things that we I guess are the guidelines that were given to survive and really and truly it's not about survival it's about actually progressing out of a certain area mm. and I a lot of what I spoke about was the problems as I said in the area like the drugs the violence the guns all of that stuff all the antisocial behavior and this EP got like a lot of media attention so the Metro the Guardian the advertiser East London Lines um, they all wrote like exclusive stories on this particular EP mm-hmm. and I was sitting there I was saying yeah this is this is amazing all the fame is good but am I after the fame or am I really trying to create some sort of impact and change mm-hmm. and I was I was sitting in a like a coffee shop with when the coffee shops were open with um my older brother and he was like yeah because I always spoke to him about starting a business and he said to me all right well write down five ideas that you could possibly start a business in and he said, you have until I finish my sandwich to to write these ideas down. <laughs> and, and, you know, when you go the- <laughs> and you know when you go to the coffee shops as well, the sandwiches are not big. So <laughs> he was chowing down and I'm literally writing down five ideas off the top of my head. And I had like the generic ideas like build a studio, manage artists. But the one that kind of stood out to me was help young people express themselves through rap. And... I realized that when I was younger and we can get into that later, but when I was younger, like I'd use rap as a tool to like strengthen my mental health, but I didn't actually know that's what it was doing at the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, piloted, so came up with rap therapy and we piloted this in Lanfranc Academy in Croydon. And if you know Lanfranc or the time we were doing Lanfranc wasn't the best of the best schools. And it's, it's like the students we were given, they were about to get kicked out of school. So they were on the verge of expulsion. And we had four students and through the program, which surprisingly, I remember the first, like the first time I did it, like the, it was an anxiety, but in my head, I was like, oh, I've performed in front of loads of people before, but I've got four students in front of me. This is a bit nerve wracking. Mm. So I was just myself. And then I went in there and I did the rap therapy sessions, like just four sessions with them. And throughout this kind of process, all of these students were able to get back on track in school. So we just like, when I say we, there's now a team of us, but we just like kind of from there, that school spoke and another school wanted us. And we just like grew and just expanded and just, just like wildfire, to be honest. So yeah, that's that's how it started. It's just a, it's a crazy story. Because if you ask me like, I don't know if you ask me 
seven years ago, oh, do you see yourself like teaching young people to express themselves through rap? I'd probably be like, no, why, why would I do that? I'm trying to blow up in this rap game. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's just funny how life works. Yeah, I love that, man. It's really nice to hear positive stories like that. Mm-hmm. Um, rap as a form of expression, though, doesn't always get given a good name, particularly in the media, particularly when it comes to the influence on young people. Um, what for you, before we dive into sort of why, what for mm. you is rap really about at its core? I think at its core, it's about expressing your personal experiences. There's a difference between... Um, expressing your personal experiences and promoting things you don't do or things that mm. seem entertaining for the for the I guess the general public general public but for me at its core it's writing about things that really matter to you and sometimes you can't do anything about those situations so it's like a nice outlet to get it on a page and even if no one ever hears it like get it on the page at least mm. and just throw it in a bin but it's still a nice kind of, yeah, that's that's what it is at its core for me. I love that, man, because I'm just thinking, you know, going into school and saying to teachers, oh, I'm here to like do rap with your young people. <laughs> you must come up against quite a little bit of, wait, what? No, we don't want to do that, right? Yes. Yeah, so, do you know what I think it is? In the beginning, we had a lot of that. We had a bit of, like rap. That's weird. But then I think once they realised there was a story behind it the music behind it was positive and the the kind of the workshops that we do is positive and the, the like themes behind the songs that the kids create is positive i think from that it's something that teachers kind of they took a step back and they said oh well not that we can't teach it but we have no specialist skills in teaching rap to kids and why are they going to listen to me i'm a middle-aged white lady that's teaching I don't know geography in school and it's, it's just a bit like we were that specialist company that could go into schools and do this and actually what I think the key thing here for like what we do and why schools really love what we do is we're actually really relatable when it comes to the kids so we've like there's not one kid I've come across that is going through something that I haven't gone through or that someone in my team hasn't gone through when we were younger so and that's the problem because we're coming from these areas where these kids are growing up in as well we know we can see the signs of oh, i know you're getting involved in this and that because yeah. um, obviously what of primary and secondary it's less it's less evident in primary school because they're much younger and a bit more a bit more not completely more innocent mm-hmm. um but it's it's i think the relatable factor and them being able to open up about certain problems and we give them viable solutions for these problems as well so mm-hmm. yeah but schools of schools of like the beginning it was a bit tougher but schools have been like seriously buying into it because they see the like they see the change in the kids as well so once yeah. we do one group of kids for example yeah. they just want us in the school for the rest of the year yeah, so, yeah. i was gonna ask um actually um so what you raised about being relatable um, and how, you know, the first time that you had a session, um, it was with kids that were basically on the brink of exclusion. And it just sort of got me thinking that, um, you know, most of the time in school, um, kids are in an environment where they don't find things that are relatable. Um, and mm-hmm. it's like 
very little is done until it's like the 11th hour, like the last minute, like some sort of emergency response that they need to get, you know, rat therapy in to like rescue them. But it seems to me like, you know, the way that we sort of approach education, because me and Bilal was chatting about this a couple of weeks ago, actually. But like, it seems to me that there's like a quite a large blind spot nowadays. Um, and maybe it's always been there, but in the way that we um, sort of teach children or like kind of um, expect them to approach their education. So at the moment, it's kind of like, you know, this is none of this is relatable to you, but you have to do it anyway. You have to, mm. you have to be present. You have to sit in geography lessons where they're talking about Oxbow Lakes and and, and <laughs> these times, <laughs> like none of that is relevant to you. Mm. So obviously, like education, like all this stuff, you know, it has its uses and like, because I, I like geography and whatever, but like, um, at the same time, there seems to be a large chunk of of um i guess um yeah like a, a large chunk of education that is vital for kids and i'm talking about something that's more relatable more um relatable to their experience and like their immediate situation that that we seem to be missing with young people mm. yeah i think Do you know what? just on the back of what you were saying oh I just, I just wanted to add to that bitch just before you jump in just on the back of what Patrick was saying um there's something for me just powerful in the name of your organization like rap therapy and just thinking about you know the space that kids might need and what therapy itself suggests and is mm. um and whether I, I think you know it just would be nice to hear from you whether you see rap as a form of therapy yeah, so th there's a few key things that have been said here, you know. I think mm. I'm gonna jump on. To, I'm gonna do your question first, Bilal, and then I'm gonna jump back to what P Money said. Um, so, all right, with rap therapy, I think rap is a therapeutic tool, and I think it doesn't only it's not only therapy in that moment, but it's also therapy to the point where it teaches you transferable skills. Um, now the the name rap therapy when we started it off it got so much stigma and it had this these bad connotations to it because therapy in general i think therapy is a good thing but therapy in general isn't viewed as a this amazing thing in schools and i'm not 100 percent sure why um because it's something that's supposed to help or aid you and rap as well, putting the two names, the two things together that had these bad connotations just kind of made it seem like this impossibly bad thing in schools. And there were so many people that told me, oh, you should probably change the name um, from rap therapy. I said to them, well, why should I change the name? When I was growing up, rap was a therapeutic tool for me. So actually, I don't think we're going to name i think the schools are gonna have to adapt to what we do and they're just gonna have to kind of suck it up and take it on if they want it if they want it don't then life must go on but they're doing an injustice to their kids um and in terms of like the education system i think the education system in general is rigged and there's a lot of problems within the education system so what i mean by that is education is it's good. It's a good tool to open up doors for young people. And I think 
within the education system, if we even look at the English curriculum, um, the canonical texts that are taught, so like things like A Christmas Carol and um, Great Expectations and these these books that are taught in English, a lot mm-hmm. of these kids can't relate to this. Mm-hmm. But in saying that, if you look at these books as well, there's a lot that is very similar to what these kids are going through in these books, but mm-hmm. it's never taught like that. Mm-hmm. I think teachers that teach these texts don't mm-hmm. actually give a wider rationale as to why they're teaching it. So they don't know why they're teaching it. They just say, mm-hmm. all right, there's this book. Let me teach this to you. Mm-hmm. But they don't really say that if we look at something like, I don't know, like um, Romeo and Juliet, there's so many families mm-hmm. that go through the same things that Romeo and Juliet went through where Mm -hmm. one family comes from one race, the other family comes from another race, and it just completely tears Mm -hmm. the family in half. Mm -hmm. This is a good Mm -hmm. rationale for why you should teach this. Because Mm -hmm. the end of Romeo and Juliet, where they both die, it's, this could be the final consequence. It's a bit like, it's it's a massive, like, hyperbole. Like, it's just Mm -hmm. huge. Like, it's just like, Mm -hmm. well, Mm -hmm. it's an extreme. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, if you don't have a rationale for why you teach what you teach, it's it's not gonna like it's not gonna be a good thing but i think rap therapy should be in every school if i'm honest like because mm-hmm. we have a, a strong rationale for actually doing this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. i think one thing that's like really interesting from what's um been said so far um obviously we've spoken about rap as a therapeutic tool um and then we also you know just more recently there's been around the idea of how it can actually be a better way of actually understanding like these big themes in a way that's more relatable to a younger audience, for instance, or particular um, students from a kind of a particular type of background might be able to relate to um, learning through that means um, more so than like the standard kind of textbook explanation kind of thing. Um, When it comes to what I found really interesting from the beginning was the kind of behavioral changes that you mentioned from um, the the four so students that you did it with initially at, was it Lam Frank you said yeah so I know yeah. Lam Frank I live in Croydon in it so I kind of know all of these different areas you've been referencing and stuff and um, mm. yeah I know Lam Frank used to have like yeah quite a bad reputation or whatever you but why do you think it is that um, the behavior what's like the link between the behavior and the act of um, being able to express yourself through rap. Like, what's the actual connection between the two in your mind? I think the link is this. When you go to school and you do something naughty, or naughty, shall I say, um, you're told, don't do this. A lot of the time, you're not told why you shouldn't do it. Or a lot of the time, you're not told to step back and think as to why you are doing what you're doing. I think there's a couple of links here. So the first link is the fact that I said we're quite relatable beings. So when we go into schools and the kids can relate to us and they, they know that like you can't you can't hide from kids. You can't kind of you can't pull a wall over kids' eyes. They're very yeah. smart. Mm-hmm. I could tell you I'm from the hood and I could just not be from the hood and they would know straight away that this guy's not from the hood. Mm-hmm. It's like undercover police. You know when there's an undercover police. <laughs> 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 um, but at the same time, I think the link is actually not given... Because a lot of the time when we go to schools, the kids, they know what rap is and they understand what rap is, but 
they never actually sat down and thought about, oh, well, this can actually be used to help me. Mm-hmm. And when they sit down and they write about rap, like we've had moments in classes where kids are writing raps about something deep and they just start to break down is. And mm-hmm. this is like the hardest kid in the year group. Like there's, you can't tell me that it's not therapy. Like it's therapy. Mm-hmm. Like the, otherwise that emotion that he's written about would never come out. There's been mm-hmm. stories where kids have been about to get into fights. They've walked away from that fight. They've found a corner in a classroom and they've wrote raps about their current feelings. Because mm-hmm. a lot of the time, as I said, when you're told not to do something, you're not really given an outlet as to how you can avoid doing this. Mm-hmm. But when they start to like look forward to something and start to understand, all right, this can actually be used. This is something I actually like. I like mm-hmm. listening to I listen to rap every day. I didn't know that. And we're not raising rappers. That's not what we're doing. We're just giving mm-hmm. you a tool. Mm-hmm. And they kind of take that tool and they're able to use that tool in their own time. That's powerful. I think that's the link. The link is the fact that it's a medium that they understand, but they've just yeah. never been told you can write in this medium to express yeah. your feelings. So, yeah, yeah I think that's the link. I wanted to just jump jump off the back of that because like I said at the start you know I had the pleasure of kind of working with you with a group of young people in a school and um, mm. for me one of the powerful stories that I always remember is there was a boy who was going through a lot of things at home you know just a lot of family sort of related issues and wasn't really the most popular kid in class I would say he didn't have too many friends but week in week out this boy would come back with a new rap they'd written in his own time at home on a piece of paper and mm. I personally witnessed his behavior change from being quite shy and quite insular and over the course of a few weeks to go in I've used this tool that I've been given as to now I've got a way of expressing what's going on for me at home on a piece of paper and I thought it's, you know, it's just amazing to witness sort of firsthand how when a young person who's going through a lot of stuff but doesn't know how to express themselves and that stuff's coming out in their external behavior, then suddenly has a new way or a new outlet or a new mm. way of processing that stuff and rap being the medium. Like I think often, you know, like you just wouldn't conventionally think about that mm. in school. Yeah. You know what, as well, like when it comes to school, this is why I say the system is interesting because you teach kids and you say to them, all right, you have to sit down, you have to learn this. But no one ever asks the children. Mm. And I can, I can say this hand on heart. No one says this because I've been in schools like for quite a while now. No one asks the children, how do you learn? Or they don't ask, Mm -hmm. what do you think I can do to help you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Things like rap therapy, the problem with what schools often do is, they result to rap therapy as a, a last kind of resort mm. for bad behavior when really mm. you wouldn't have these behavior issues if we were there from the start of the year, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so it's like, I think kids, kids, as I said, kids are not stupid. Kids are very intelligent beings and they, although they might not know how to put these tools into action, I'm sure if you sat a child down and you said to them, well, what, what do you think I can do to help you? Mm-hmm. They could come up with some sort of solution and you can just add some meat to the bone, I guess, and help mm-hmm. them like, mm-hmm. through a situation. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's definitely like very few opportunities, I think, um, for young people, kids, um, especially like black and brown kids in schools in the UK to speak for themselves rather than just being told. Mm. Um, so like, Bilal, when you mentioned um, the student that you observed over a period of time, they became more confident in themselves. Mm. It's because like, you know, they've been given an outlet to actually talk about how they feel and what they think about whatever it is that's going on. And I feel very often like young people just, just sort of, we're just dictated to, or I say we, like when I was young, that's what it felt like, you know, you're just mm. dictated to like, this is what you need to do. There's no ifs, there's no buts, you just do it. And you don't question why you go to school, mm. you're present at school, you have to be on time. There's no explanation why you just have to. Um, and yeah, I was gonna say, um, Bish, that it sounds like to me, um, not only is rap therapy needed in, in, in schools, like from the beginning, like you say, but also the sort of um, empowering sort of approach that you take, you guys take in allowing kids to have agency and having their own voice. Like, mm -hmm. I think there's definitely, um, there's, there's, there's definitely themes and um, ideas that all schools can take from rap therapy without it actually being rap therapy as well. Do you see what I mean? So like yeah. the ideas and the the, um, the things that you espouse, like that should be, people should be, you know, taking note of that because if Bilal can see a kid go from, you know, this introverted, quiet kid that's unable to express themselves to like, you know, this kid that is very, like very empowered and, you know, is able to speak for themselves and able to sort of, express themselves well in just a matter of weeks how powerful is that if you know like if that was your schooling experience that you were mm -hmm. raising kids mm -hmm. to be independent thinkers and to be you know um yeah empowered enough to to able to be able to articulate what it is that they need but then i guess below this goes back to the conversation that we had about like what is the purpose of yeah. modern education are we yeah. are we really committed to raising you know intelligent um, not just educated, but intelligent and um, empowered kids, or are we just kind of treating it like a conveyor belt into the into the workforce? I guess I don't know. It's like that. That's probably a, a discussion for a, a different discussion for another day, sort of thing. But um, yeah, you know, it's quite interesting about what you just said. Um, mm. I can only kind of go off of English because I've taught English, mm -hmm. so. Um, when you teach children, for example, creative writing, you would tell the children something along the lines of, um, okay, I want you to write about a man who jumps out of an airplane. But there's problems in that. And I'll explain there's a task that we do at Rap Therapy, which I'll explain in a second, which kind of ties in with like this. So the problem with that is you put children in a box and you say to them, this is what you want to write about. This is how you need to write about it. Now go and write it. Now imagine if every English teacher turned around and said, I want you to write a story about absolutely anything you want. I feel like you would get so much more ideas and so much, you get so much more insight to these students where you'd be able to build a like solid relationship with them understand their likes understand their mm -hmm. dislike 
bring that into the classroom. Um, mm. at, in, in rap therapy, we do this task, and this task is there's a bunch. When I say a bunch, there's like heaps of emotions on the board, and mm. you can choose any of these emotions that you want to write about. But the key thing is you can't say the emotion. So you're not allowed to say that you feel angry. You have to explain that emotion. And I think by doing that, everyone else has to kind of guess what the emotion is at the end. But by doing that, it doesn't put them in a box. They're actually able to unpick what that emotion feels like. And they're able to say, oh, well, this is what anger feels like. This is why I feel angry. This is why I think anger occurs. And without using the word in itself, we're taking like, putting people in a box and we're actually putting it in reverse we're saying all right write about this mm -hmm. but don't use the word mm -hmm. and i think that's such a powerful tool and it's like you said every, i think in schools like rap therapy is amazing but it would be lovely to see schools adopting a rap therapy kind of ethos and rap therapy within classrooms without actually having to call rap therapy mm -hmm. like not to put us out of business but i mean <laughs> it's just <laughs> it, it, it'll be so nice for schools and this is coming from a genuine love for young people. Like it, it, it'd be nice for schools to just use rap therapy skills and things that we do in their classroom, like an everyday classroom. It's not like what we're doing is not magic. It's not, I, I, I can't say it's not special. It is special, but it's not magic. Like you can do it if you really put your mind to doing it. Like you, we tell kids all the time, you have to learn about this book. You have to know this book by the end of the year. Like if kids are put in this space where they have to feel this anxiety and pressure to learn a certain book, I think teachers, on the other hand, should also kind of be able and open to adapt to things that they might not necessarily do on a day to day basis. Mm -hmm. So, as I said, white middle class teachers, for example, a lot of them, not all of them, a lot of them are not listening to rap. Mm -hmm. A lot of them mm -hmm. are listening to Ariana Grande and whatever they're listening to. Mm -hmm. And I think pushing teachers out of their comfort zone as well actually shows kids that mm -hmm. you can be pushed out of your comfort zone and you can still succeed in what you do. Mm -hmm. So I think sh always showing as well and not just saying it is, is so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like definitely like sort of meeting the kids halfway, like acknowledging like, you know, this isn't really your thing. Um, so we'll do this. But also like we can do what you kind of want to do as well. And we mm. can get something that's of value, that has educational value out of that. And just, you know, it helps to make, make both parties more rounded, more rounded individuals. Because I think like if teachers were prepared to do that, they'd become much better teachers. Mm. You know, like they'd be much much more able to be relatable to kids that you know have a, like live a completely different live in a completely different environment to them because mm. i mean at the end of the day like you know we'd all like to see more better representation in 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 the workforce in the teaching workforce um but also that's not going to be something that's immediately achievable um so yeah, I yeah. think that's a really, really good, really good point it's that just, you raised, man. It's, it's making me think a lot about my experience of school. And mm -hmm. um, like, I'm just sitting here really trying to, pro oh, my memory's so bad these days. But I'm trying to remember what even happened when I was in school. And I can't think of any intervention at all that was similar, <laughs> even in nature, to what rap therapy is. And um, mm. 
the tools that you gain, like the tools for self-expression or the tools for understanding my emotions and myself are almost things that I seen as, as you know, back, back to that conversation, Patrick, as not even part and parcel of what you should be doing mm. at school, right? You're mm. in school to learn English, maths and science and IT mm. and anything else additional to that is totally additional. Mm. And I'm even thinking, you know, that you had art, but that wasn't really seen or yeah. valued or drama mm-hmm. and only specific instruments that you could learn if you had the money to learn them. Mm-hmm. And all these tools for self-expression, like, you know, what if, what if you could just, I don't know, pick up a spray can somewhere in the school and use that when you needed to. Or what if you could just go to a space and, you know, do rap therapy or do do writing, um, mm. whatever, like all the different tools for self-expression that you almost pick up along the way mm. as an mm. adult in mm. your life. Mm. Or, you know, you find something new as you're going through and they're not things that you're even exposed to yeah. as a young person. It's weird. It's like there's there's a bias towards in the education system as it exists now mainstream education at least there's a bias towards like consumption mm-hmm. like consuming information com- consuming knowledge particular knowledge p- particular um information particular subjects but there's no there's a minimal element of production and creativity mm. and i feel like that's a big part of the learning process itself is actually being able to like yeah. create something and it just makes that understanding a lot more tangible than mm-hmm. if you're literally just reading something, memorizing it. And that's, we do a disservice to young people when that's the way that you're taught to learn. For mm. one, because people, a lot of people don't learn well that way. But another is like, there's, 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 you're, you're kind of like detached from that. There's a detachment from that process. Like you don't see yourself in what you're learning. Mm. But when you actually, for instance, have to write, um, say you're writing a rap about Romeo and Juliet, whatever the case is. I remember when I was in school, like we had one particular, to maybe two particular teachers quite young um i think they might have been like from teach first or something but they were like really kind of like shaking up the whole the, the way things are done and like what mm. we loved about them was they made it creative we did um what's the what's the play with um prospero and um tempest the tempest yes yeah. the tempest yeah and oh, like, we did that well. she'd give us like a character yeah <laughs> and then we'd have to like basically do like a freestyle dramatization of one of the plays or whatever and like mm. we just like I, I like i proper under, understood the characters more because i could put my own spin on it mm-hmm. i can hear how other people's what their interpretations of that character is or how they feel or the relationship between two characters and we did it in our own way like that made it a lot more enjoyable and made us understand it and it translated in the grades i think that we received as well like it mm-hmm. does translate mm. um but when there's is like okay you learn this line by line this is what um the kind of like go-to spark notes of like how you should interpret this particular use of frugative speech whatever the case is and just can't you don't really put yourself into it it's just it's such a limited such like a dry gray way of actually Mm -hmm. learning Mm. um and that's like i feel like that's replicated in like not even just education everything is very very much like consumption no like production no creativity and that's mm. like such a yeah i feel like because because that's when you get to a stage like i think Bilal, you alluded to later on down the line when you're older and you're like doing these workshops like oh 
trying to learn how to do these little creative stuff that you've never tried before in the past mm. because like you didn't have any exposure to it when you're young you're, mm-hmm. you're in your 30s trying to like oh, okay maybe i can try doing this or maybe i could do you know what i mean like yeah. if yeah. you had exposure to that when yeah. you were in school it, mm. it was just like something that was normal to um have these dif- different creative outlets um it wouldn't be this thing that you're trying to self-discover yourself when you're you know in your you know 30s or whatever trying to work out what how you can express yourself do you know what's kind of crazy um i think you said touched on something super key and teachers miss this so much um interpretation so again i can only talk from an english perspective but english is what you would call a subjective subject so you might look at something one way and i might look at it a different way and both of us, it, mm. we might not necessarily be wrong in what we're saying. We're just looking at it from two different lenses. And I think like interpretation is key. Like you, you, you see the exam system as well. It's like, I'm going to teach you how to pass the exam. This is how you pass the exam. But really and truly, I don't want you to say anything about what you think. And mm. that's wrong because then we're raising robots and we're not really raising young people who can kind of, interpret things the way they want to interpret it and again it it comes down and it boils down to things like that task that i said that we do in rap therapy because how you interpret like something an emotion like anger and how someone else interprets an emotion like anger can be the kind of that that thin line between understanding why you're angry and understanding maybe why you're not understanding properly how to digest this particular mm. emotion. Mm. So I think interpretation is so key in anything when it comes to young people. Like it is super important. Like you can't just take away their voice. It's, it's a bit sad. Yeah. To yeah. And I think going back to what, you know, what Patrick was saying about like the production line element of school, whether schools are a factory for producing the same individuals or whether they actually want interpretation or whether they want uh, free thinking, critical thinking young people who have their own lenses and ways of looking at the world. I just wanted to touch on something. I think you kind of mentioned it, Bish, but also maybe just be cool to kind of unpack that a bit more. With rap therapy itself, I know we've mentioned some of the short-term impacts and benefits that I've seen and you've seen sort of in the classroom firsthand. What do you think are some of the longer-term impacts for young people going through that kind of programming? So I think the key longer-term impact is teaching team-building skills. So I always use this as an example. You go to the workplace and as much as everyone pretends to like each other, a lot of people don't like each other and <laughs> a lot of a lot of the kids we're working with is so true the reason they're in the situations that they're in is because and not wrongly so they're quite overt with how they like put their emotions across so they might say like me and Bilal might not like each other and we're kids and I might be the, the naughty kid as as per se and I might tell Bilal straight to his face, I don't like you. And this causes a fight. Now, I think learning team building skills, how to get on with people that you might not necessarily like, because we've even said to schools, put, give us a bunch of five kids who really hate each other and put them in the same classroom. I guarantee by the end of it, 
they're going to be best of friends. Um, in Lanfranc, actually, we had a year seven and a year eight in the same group who constantly, weekly had fights, like fist fights. And by the end of it, they were best of friends. And to this day, they're still good friends. And they still talk to each other. So it's just team building skills. Like when you're forced and you're put in a corner to win a specific game, for example, and you know the person you're working with, you don't actually like them. You're then forced to work with each other. It's like those kids in school when they have fights um, and then they're forced to play on the same football team. They have to get along with each other. So I think that's one of the key elements which we teach mm. young people. And also that expression as well in itself, it, it prevents social tragedy. So when we look at things like prison, mm. mental health institutes, dead, um, gang violence, all of these things, these things stem from not having an outlet. Like if you have that outlet from a young age and you learn how to nurture that outlet, when you get to these ages where you're you're faced with adversity and you're faced with the things that you could potentially be pulled into or gravitate towards naturally, you might have that outlet that kind of keeps you away from it. So even when I was growing up and I didn't even realize it at the time, there were people I was around who I may not, sh I should not have been around if I'm honest, or maybe I should not, not have been around them maybe it's just that they were my friendship group and that was just the group but when they're going to to do whatever they're going to do right out on the other side or whatever i'm there in the studio making music so it keeps you away from these things as well when it gets to to like the i guess like when you get to your adult life or your i guess teen older teen life like college days and i, I think one of the ways that we're kind of trying to impact that right now is we have or we're finalizing like a studio network in every single borough in the country. And yeah. we're saying, all right, what we do is amazing in schools, but now when we're not in school, where are you going to go when you want to write a rap and express yourself? Mm. So we're trying to get every studio in every borough in London or some studios in every borough in London to kind of commit to allowing these young people to record for free. Um, and we've got quite a few already who have, said yeah this is perfect and we're about to launch it so you guys are getting the exclusive there <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's nice, amazing man. Man. that's, that's yeah. great yeah yeah so i think that's really I think cool. like when i was quickly now go on i was gonna say but like definitely when i was young like free studio would have been in fact no there was a time that we me and a few friends we had to like travel a little bit but there was a, a studio where you could like pay like a pound or like a couple pound whatever we just split like yeah it was, it was it was light and we could split between us and get um a couple hours studio um time and that like definitely it, it probably brought us some trouble just in 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 the, in the sense of getting to the the studio mm -hmm. and different areas you have to navigate through to get there but mm -hmm. outside of that like actually just having that outlet and being able to like yeah be off the street especially at a time where there was like a lot of like it was a very very mad period for like to be young and and um in london because there was just a lot of yeah stabbings and whatever going on and it just kind of mm. kept us um mm. you know occupied in a, in, a, in a positive way so yeah i can see how yeah if you can bring that back especially now that yeah like people are actually really really like obviously i know you said rap therapy like the aim isn't to like create a bunch of rappers but like like at least when i was that age <laughs> It wasn't. It wasn't like a huge possibility. There wasn't like usually wasn't huge or whatever. But like, yeah, 
you never know what kind of talent can come out of these mm. these types of sessions as well. Mm-hmm. There's two things. So the first thing is the reason why we're kind of like trying to create one in every single borough is for that problem that you said. Like if I'm from Fort and Heath and I have to go to like the op block, for example, mm-hmm. and I have to go and record there, it's a bit mm. it's a bit problematic isn't it mm, so yeah. it defeats the purpose of what we're doing so that's why we're trying to get in each borough so if you're from Fort and Heath we have one in Fort and Heath and you can go to Fort and Heath and you can record in Fort and Heath mm-hmm. obviously if you want to branch out a little bit that's fine as long as you don't put yourself in danger and we kind of have ways to safeguard certain things and make sure that it's all neutral territory and things mm-hmm. like that um, but also like um, when it comes to yeah so when it comes to the, the studio network even like the fact that kids are not kind of paying for it they have nothing yeah. to lose they have something to to do outside which is really really yeah helpful i think yeah yeah i just you know i just like really admire the kind of work that you do and when i've seen some of the impacts for young people and um, when you think about sort of why rap therapy exists right and it exists to fill that need or that gap in the current education system at least where young people just aren't being given rap as an outlet or just aren't being um at least being able to see all the possibilities as to how they can express themselves um what would you if this is just like a new question what would you like to see in a school system if it was to be reimagined um and done differently so first thing I would say is like some of the texts that are taught are outdated. In fact, pretty much all of the texts are outdated. I think there's a lot of current authors in like English, for example, where these current authors have amazing work. So you can put this work out there for kids to study stuff that they can actually relate to. I think the the kind of other thing is rap therapy should be embedded with the educational curriculums um it doesn't matter what subject you do like you can turn a mathematical equation into a rap it's good for like cognitive kind of remembering like the stuff on the board but even if it's not for just remembering stuff i think in terms of expression i don't want to see rap therapy to be that last resort I want it to be something that's there as a tool so that so that the school doesn't have to contact rap therapy as a last resort. So that it's there for these kids that you know are going to be, they're in year seven, for example, they start out, they're getting into a bit of trouble. You know they're about to get kicked out by the end of school. Like, don't wait until the last minute. Like, have it in your school there and then so that they don't get kicked out. Because what's the point in having a kid in school giving up on them and saying, and turning around and saying something like, oh, yeah, we tried everything we could for this kid, but really and truly you didn't. And everything was a bit too late. Um, there needs to be more interventions in schools because especially when you're closing down youth clubs and all the youth clubs are gone, there's no, that you don't have those relatable mentors who you can just go and talk to about problems. Because who am I going to talk to if I'm a kid in school? I might have that one teacher I like, yeah, but like it's not it's not enough, is it? So yeah, I think it should be embedded in the curriculum. I think the government should really endorse what we do and they should just mm. turn around. All right, we want this in every school. Every single school needs rap therapy. Let's get in there. I think that's a key solution for a lot of the problems that's happening right now. Mm. 
Patrick, I think you're talking. Yeah, so I was on mute. Um, I had a question actually. Um, so have you ever kind of um been in a situation with young people where you find like the people in the group are sort of reluctant to like get involved or they feel like, you know, rap, like they just, they, they just don't know how to rap like that. It's just, they could never do it. Or like just the general sort of environment is like not really for them. And like, how have you sort of managed to get around that? And did they sort of come around to it in the end? Yeah. So all the time, this is like not a new thing. Mm. All the time we'll have like a kid. There's always one kid in the class. He's like, oh, I'm not rapping. I can't rap. I'm not mm. doing this. And by the end of the session, they have the best lyrics on the page. <laughs> um, there was a 15-year-old that we worked with in Croydon Library. And he it was a part of this like group and he was asked to come. So he said, I don't even know why I'm here. I don't want to do this. I'm not going to write no raps. And then end of the session, he's performing in front of everyone like he's, I don't know, like he's Stormzy or something. Like he's literally going hard <laughs> in front of everyone and his rap was just amazing. Mm. But I think the key to that is like breaking it down. Like it, it sounds, it, it's like that anxiety thing that I was saying to you before. Like mm. in school, you're given a text and you have to read this text. This, there's still anxiety there. Like you don't, you don't particularly like reading. You don't particularly like this. Like you might mm. not like rap as a, as a genre in general I, it's very popular amongst young people but you might be that one kid that doesn't like rap and i think actually mm. breaking it down with the games that we play that breaks that ice and they mm. kind of see oh well, this is not a lesson this is a kind of i can have some fun with this as well and the kids pretty much they like it happens all the time but we just break it down to them mm. and we actually like make sure we don't give up on them so they already have come into the class saying, I'm not doing this, I give up. But by us saying, all right, you've given up, but I'm not giving up. So we're going to work with you until you don't give up. It kind of instills that kind of, um, all right, well, he's not giving up on me, so why should I give up on myself? Mm-hmm. And then I think from there, the children pretty much open up and they say, all right. And then they start writing raps. And then we have some amazing raps. Cool, man. That's that's well cool, man. Um, I'm just really conscious of time. So what I want to do is just ask um, Kwaku or Patrick, is there any final questions or final thoughts that you want to throw in? Um, I guess not so much. Yeah, I guess a question that as far as, um, you know, you said you've seen it's been used as like a four, was it a four week kind of workshop you do at different schools. Um Mm. What where what do you, what do you see like ideal world big picture like um how either rap therapy itself or the kind of like ethos that similar projects might uh follow like how do you see that being integrated into the the school system? So do you mean like bigger projects in general? Um, just like if you know obviously you have a lot of success and there's a lot of like great stories coming from what you've done so far but like if you had all the resources available whatever the case was like how what what would make this like um have the biggest impact that you'd you'd want it to have being in schools consistently mm. i think it, no matter the situation in the world so whether we're in coronavirus working online if we're in schools physically it's like being in every single school 
consistently. Mm. It's you, you have like learning mentors and LSAs in school and things like that, mm. but an actual consistent kind of place where kids can come is like a sanctuary, isn't it? Mm. Where they can write raps, they can talk about how they feel. Like you have some schools that have well-being, um, kind of like well-being offices where they go and speak to someone within that well-being team. Mm. Imagine a place where it's like a breakout room and they can go to go and write a rap about mm. their feelings and speak mm. to someone. Imagine mm. that in every single school. I feel like in every single school, if that was there, a lot of kids would use that service voluntarily. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be, like, they wouldn't, like, sometimes when you hear some things like well-being in schools, kids don't want to go there because mm-hmm. it's just about talking and talking about your feelings. And it's not really a, I mean, if you look at the kids that we talk to as well in general and we do rap therapy with, a lot of them have communication issues and they struggle to communicate. So actually by them writing a rap, they're, they're communicating, but they're not really communicating, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. They're, they're writing, but it, they, for them, they don't yeah. feel like, oh, I'm in this office talking to someone about my feelings, but they are writing mm-hmm. about their feelings. So I think mm-hmm. in every school, if there was no limit to the resources, yeah. studio networks everywhere, like across the country. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of how I envision it. I had one last question um, and seeing as though Tom is not here he, he would normally ask this question but, <laughs> I knew that was <laughs> uh, yeah um, you're, you're you're a rapper yourself you're an artist so we need to know who are your top five of all time and it's your personal top five not what you know like what people think should be your top five yeah top five all time Papoose is definitely up there um mm. dead Dead or alive? Papoose is alive. Oh, no, no, oh, I'm saying dead I'm... or alive. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah dead or alive. Dead, dead, dead or alive. <laughs> okay, Papoose <laughs> is definitely there. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say Nas is definitely up there. Okay, keeping it in New York so far. Uh, New York all day. Um, yeah. I would say Fred the Godson is up there. Okay. Um. I would say Nipsey's definitely there as well. Much as people jumped on Nipsey when he kind of mm-hmm. passed, mm-hmm. I've, been jump- yeah. I've been on Nipsey for years. Um, and I'd probably say last one. It's so generic, but I have to give it to Puck. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. okay. You're the first person I've ever heard, probably, yeah, ever in my life that starts off with Papoose. In your top I was going to say the same yeah, thing, man. Like, <laughs> like Papoose, you, man. You have to deep his lyrics. Some of his lyrics are deep. He's cold. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. He's super mm. cold, but that's, mm. that's so rare for someone to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if, if it was like a top five New York, then you might hear someone sleep at peace, but... Mm. Right, okay. Fair enough. Mm. So I, I can, you, you know what's interesting? When you hear someone's top five, you can get like a very clear... You can get a, a, mm. a clear vibe of what their kind of style is, isn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can... I can okay. Are you trying Where to say he's wearing Tims or something? Quakey. Probably got the Tims on right now. <laughs> 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 the Yankee fitted. That's funny. Um, yeah, I just want to say, Bish, thank you so much for coming on. It's been so good to see you again and to hear a little bit more about rap therapy. And like, I just want to say, you know, you're doing an amazing 
job with it and I just wish you all the best I really hope that as you were saying you know the dream of having something similar or rap therapy itself in every school um something that's available come on man if you're a teacher or you're an educator and you're listening to this podcast or you just know children um get in touch with rap therapy um mm. bish if people do want to find you where can people find you couple of places so <laughs> number one is the website Croydon yeah okay <laughs> 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 I'd say the website so, <laughs> so that's www.raptherapy.co.uk or we're not really active on Twitter I know it's really bad but we're really active on Instagram because I think uh, pictures paint a lot more than words mm-hmm. um, uh, so our Instagram you could follow me prof p-r-o-p-h underscore 100 or the rap therapy page so rap r-a-p underscore therapy t-h-e-r-a-p-y underscore 100 amazing thank you so much bish and um, like once again if you're a listener and you've listened in you've enjoyed the conversation or you want to ask any questions as ever you can find us on the socials at otb podcast uk on instagram and twitter or send us an email which is otb podcast uk at gmail.com i wish you all a happy rest of your day week month or year wherever you might be listening from and i just want to say a huge shout out to bish that's everything from us tune in next time over and out